I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. I got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams going. Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse. This is a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that make us all feel encouraged. Want to hear what makes these women passionate to get up in the morning or what maybe they wish they'd known a little bit earlier in their lives? Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. I am really excited to have a guest with me this morning that I met, I guess, a couple of years back, and I met her in her professional world and just became enamored because she is a ball of energy and is involved in so many um, very, very helpful, useful activities, is uh, tremendously involved in her community. And so today, I welcome Inez Beltron. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect, Amy. It sounds wonderful. Yes, thank you so much. Well, welcome. I'm delighted to have you. Thank you. So let's get started. If somebody were to ask you, who is Inez, both professionally or personally, what would your answer be to who you are today? I think right now I am the woman that I wanted to be 20 years ago. A mature, patient, understanding situations, uh, calm, calmer than I used to be. I like how I am right now. I'm in a good place right now. I'm in my 50s, 53. So I think I finally am in a place that I wanted to be happy, um, very patient. I, I, I have everything. I'm happy. That's fantastic. There are not a lot of people who can confidently say that. So what got you to that point? What kind of things have impacted your life to bring you to where you are at such a satisfied state? Well, the first thing was moving to the States uh, 22 years ago from Colombia for Life is funny and put you in places, moments where you're supposed to be, you know. And so I ended here and I had the chance to go to college here for my master's degree and work with a great organization that have given me the opportunity to work with the community and help others. And so that thing that's where helped me to get where I am right now. So the it's satisfaction of helping others is, is great. It's a good so thing. it's, it's the give back. It's the, yeah. the putting, putting back into a community. So what is it that you do professionally? So, so professionally I teach and I'm an educator. Um, and I try to help people through education to get a better life. So I help people to, 
communicate better with their children at any age. I help childcare educators to help um, youth to grow in, you know, be happy through playing and help the parents of those youth children, young children. I help seniors to become healthier and eating and to eat better, better and nutritious foods. I help entrepreneurs to create their own business and have good quality of their products they are producing. I help farmers market and vendors of the farmers market to have food safety. Uh, there's so many ways that I have been helping people in, um, it's really, it's really nice to do that. Well, that commits a lot of training and time for you to be prepared. How do you prepare yourself for so many different aspects that vary from A to Z? Well, I like to be busy. I really like to have my brain busy and going on. And the most important thing is to meet people and see what they need. So the University of Georgia Extension have given me all the training and the tools I need to use all these different peoples. people. I'm sorry. Um, so, and, and the fact that I can help in English and Spanish, I think is amazing because I can reach out to more people and see the results of that. Yeah. So you take some of the programming that you have and offer it in two languages. Correct. Um, and yesterday, last night, we have a, a presentation with um, the <clears throat> Winnet County commissioners, and it was for a for a big group of people. And I was telling them, I can't believe that I am the only Hispanic agent for the University of Georgia Extension um, of three hundred and something employees. I'm the only one. Um, I know they hired somebody recently in the Cap County and she is in charge of the FNF nutrition program for low-income families. Um, but for 22 years, I was the only one. Wow. So do you reach beyond your county then and help and cross, um, help train being able to use the, the language as one of your assets? Yes, so the population is changing a lot in Georgia for the last 15 years. It's just amazing how much the Hispanic population has grown. So yes, the South Georgia and Tifton County and Colquitt County inviting me to do the search safe for managers um, and the search safe for handlers class. And I have done, I have been doing also cancer prevention classes for them in that area. And North, I have been doing uh, cancer prevention classes, collaborating with the agents at the North Georgia. Uh, and in the metro area, we do a lot of Atlanta, Atlanta Science Festival and collaboration with those metro areas and a lot of other programs for children. Yeah. So yes, in Spanish and in English, but mostly Spanish. They call me and they say, hey, can you come down here for our driving Tifton? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Yeah, sure, it's sure. A, it's a different view. It's a different, wow, it's, it's, I love to see all those farms going down there. It's really nice. Yeah. 
So what do you do in your work that just tugs your heart that just, you know, you get involved in so many different projects and see so many areas that are tough for families. So what is it that just absolutely tugs your heart? I think seeing people, I came in, in better, I would say conditions than some of the people that are immigrants to this wonderful country. And what I like to see is tell them how to become part of this culture, what, what to use and how to use them, the, 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 the items here or tools or whatever they need to know about how to live in this country that is so different to our countries. Um, and making them feel more comfortable, like going to the school system, going through the school system, bringing their children to a place that they don't even know how function, how it works. Um, because I work a lot with the schools also. In um, here in Gwinnett County, the amount of Hispanics going in the schools is just amazing. We are the second largest population in Gwinnett. Hispanics are. And so you go to school and you think you are in some country in South America, Central America, because you just see Hispanic children everywhere. Uh, but but the changes and and they're going through and the communications between those parents that come from a country that parenting is different than here, and trying to help to understand and help those teenagers to understand that. They are growing here, but still they, they are part of that family that have different cultures and different ways to eat and different things. I was talking with a girl that is doing a research about uh, suicide and, um, and for Hispanic. And uh, communication is a big deal, communication between the parents uh, of teenagers. This, this is a big deal. So I like, to work on that part a lot because it touched my heart to see that the parents are suffering seeing how the children are going away from them you, they, the feeling of losing them the feeling of not having that communication that that is rough because i have a teenager too so I, it will kill me if i see that my son is just going somewhere else to find help or talk with somebody else yeah well and that that is difficult i mean it's difficult for people who are from here, born, bred, raised, all their families here to have to navigate some of those teen years and then to put culture and then you know, language having all the newness. Yeah, language. Yeah, the language. And a lot of people, a lot of Hispanics, a lot of anyone coming into the country rely on their kids to teach them because the kids pick it up so quickly. And, and what I see is that the kids lost respect for their parents because they don't see them confident enough right. to be able to navigate and do things in this country the way that you expect to a parent to do it. And so they start losing that respect and the relationship between them just broke. It's, it's really nice. Oh, that is sad. It is. Okay, so what would you tell me not being Hispanic, not even knowing the language, but if I had a, a teenager in that school cycle, what could I do to help or be different? To help your child 
to help to help those children to help those parents to help to reach beyond my own but i think communication is just key um and and love <laughs> i think giving um to me this is surprising amy this killed me one time this man said i, I don't know how to relate with my child he he's 17 and he wants me to hug him and he when i'm watching tv he wants to be in my lap you know put his head in my lap and be with me but i don't know if i should do that and i was thinking what are you talking about <laughs> that's great that he wants to be with you to give him all that love uh, but see for some people just they feel weird like that's not right yeah. he's 17 he's a man he doesn't need to be feeling like that so communication and um, open communication and understanding of what the child is going through. Yeah. And the phone is a killer for me. Kids using the phone so much. That is, how do you handle that in your own home um, with a teenager? I mean, the phone and now the way that the world has hit us in 2020, all of that communication is sometimes all they have. So what do you do? How do you handle that? Well, Thanks to my work and unfortunately what happened with the quarantine, I have been able to be with my son here at home more time. However, you will be surprised what can happen, you being in this room and he being in the next room because of the phone. And I discovered that during the summer, I was like, I can't believe it. I have been here all the time and this is happening, you know? Um, so, I tell people, even if you are at home, check it out and be there for your son and see what is he doing? Who is he communicating with? The first rule we have is after 10 p.m. he has to put his phone in my room. Uh, he unplugged himself from the phone and he's in my room so he can sleep right, have a good night of sleep. And um, that's the first rule. The second rule is when he's at the school virtually is no phone allowed. Um, only if he has to do some homework, because everything is, you know, they send them links and mostly it's on the phone that they have to use, but only if that's the reason um, he can use it. And um, I, I think always checking on him and talking and asking him, what are you doing on your phone? You know, when you see them that they are completely gone <laughs> and there is no, they don't listen, they don't see you, just ask them, um, what are you doing? What are you talking with? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes it's back on us as well. Of if we have our heads in the phone and we're always doing so working at home, sometimes have you, have you seen that it's hard to put boundaries on your own time and your job kind of bleeds into the night sometimes, or, or you have a, a travel or, or something. So how do you, how do you balance your, your own schedule? I try to do the same and I really on the weekends I don't use the phone at all only if I if somebody says hey we're going this weekend to see you or come to see us and we have to schedule something but on the weekends people don't ever find me because I don't use my phone and during the week I only use it during the day after 9 a.m. probably and then again at 9 p.m. Um, Unplug of the phone, disconnected. I just don't use it anymore. Try to don't meet yeah. Facebook. Um, there's so many things going on with all those 
media things that are controlling us and people don't believe it, but yes, it's happening. So. Yeah. And I, I think it's gone up a notch or two in the last six to eight months yeah. to where it's, um, and now they have the, the little score that you can see how much time you've actually put on it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, that's just. And, and the funny part is my husband can... is, is, is um, better than me. He's even better. Like he only used the phone for uh, some kind of directions or finding um, where to buy something. But that's it. Um, yeah. And we have the cheapest phone you can buy in the market. We have like a $40 phone. <laughs> There you go. There you uh, go. So it's not drawing you in like some of the flashing. Surprising me that my FNET program assistant have a thousand dollar phone, a fifteen hundred dollar phone. I'm like, what for? I mean, this thing takes the same pictures than yours. Right. Right. So I just and then you don't feel as bad as you know if you drop it. You yeah, know, no, it disappear or a car step on it. No, I just don't feel bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a thousand dollar phone. Mm-hmm. So, Anis, what brought you to this country to to begin with? What was life like for you before you came here? What brought me here was love. Um, I used to work for McDonald's Corporation in my country. I had the opportunity to work with a corporation um, there and travel around the States, everywhere in Central America, and it was so much fun. being an independent woman and, you know, traveling and meeting people everywhere and learning so much. Um, I think that was the best experience I have had working for a corporation. They give you um, the opportunity to travel and money is not a problem. Yippee. So, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that part. And one and in one of those trips, um, I came here to Georgia. If you don't know these uh, McDonald's, have the larger, the largest provider here in Georgia. Um, they, yeah, they, uh, it's a huge factory. It's amazing the technology they have. And they process the beef, the beans, uh, tomato sauce, mustard, I mean, just name it. They process and pack everything here and they uh, send wow. everything to the Middle East and to Europe and, um, uh, Jerusalem. It's, it's amazing. The whole business is amazing. So I learned so much. I traveled so much. And in one of those trips, I was here in Conyers, Georgia, where the factory is. And uh, my husband, my today husband, <laughs> he was working there um, dry, drawing, um, doing architectural drawings because they were adding to the factory. So he was doing that. And I was just working with the quality assurance person. Uh, for McDonald's in that factory and and we just saw each other and it was like that it was just it was crazy that's fine and from there we have been together already 22 years yeah so that's what brought me here (laughs) so what did your mother think you went on a trip to Georgia and you met a boy my mom was kicking me out of the house. Go, get out of the here, just go. She always, she was that kind of person since I was a teenager. Go and travel around the world. Go and study. Go and find people and meet people around the world and learn as much as you can. And, and she always says, wait to get married. Don't get married too young. Um, enjoy life. And 
that's what I did actually. And you did. Well, that's fun. Yes. So a lot of the qualities that you exhibit that I, I saw and, and caught on very quickly the first time I met you came from your mom yes. of that independence and, and learn and figure out who people are and just no fear. Right. She always pushed us, me and my sister, we're only two, but she always told us to study first thing first thing and, and in Colombia that's something and, and people are surprised when I tell them this um you you go to school there is there, there is no any other option uh, when I came to this country and I hear people saying well school is not for this child or he's not good for school stuff I was like that was new I mean I have to tell you things are shocking me about this country since I got here um I have cultural shocks <laughs> And one of yeah. that, yeah, many, but that was one of those. Um, I'm thinking, wait, everybody needs to go to school no matter what. No, you cannot tell that this person is not prepared to go to college. And I still have that discussion with my husband that is born and raised here in Atlanta because he keeps saying, you know, there are people that doesn't need to go to school. I'm like, everybody can if you put in your mind and if you have parents that support you and push you to do your best and try your best, yes everybody can and that's what my mom told me and my sister and so my sister has like three master's degree wow but she's there and i remember when i moved here uh, with my bachelor's degree and my mom was like she came visit and i was working with a company teaching spanish over the phone to corporations it was so cool and she looked at me and she said so what are you doing um I mean, this is cool that you are at home and working from here, but are you going back to school? What are you doing? I was like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> but I have a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I was being paid like 27 per hour 20 years ago, talking on the phone. Yeah. I was like, this is good. Yeah. Um, but she said, no, no. And so I was talking with her and I like uh, doing translations. So she said, what is the university? I mean, she was on my name. Like, what is the university offering that, that program here in Georgia? So I found uh, Georgia State. She went with me and, uh, you know, I registered. I started doing that. And as soon as I finished, okay, what is next? Let's do a master's degree. And I'm like, mom, <laughs> wait. She's like, no, no, keep going. So she now is 80 years old, my mother is, and she's still... Now she's with my son, like, okay, what are you doing? What is next? How is the school? I hope you're doing great. So she pushed us, and my nieces that now are 23 and 21, she's always on them doing the same work that you did, yeah. me and my sister. And I think that's great that she's still um, very healthy and her brain is doing so well and pushing us to, you know, to be better. Right. That's a, I, my mom is 95 and oh, um, Congratulations. she, and oh, it's, it's incredible. And to talk to her is just a thrill, but wow. she had several sisters and her mom, they, they all had college university degrees and you go, wow. I mean, back then it would have been very easy right. to not do that. Right. And, and so she did. And, and my siblings and I just, kind of had the idea and I know it was firmly planted by our parents 
our life did not begin until we at least got that first undergrad degree. And, and it just wasn't an option. And, and we've been talking about it lately. Uh, sometimes it's not just the textbook learning that you're doing. It's the discipline. It's the learning about others and learning about culture. And if you don't have that formal education, sometimes how, how do you know how to debate? You know, that, that's where you're learning some of these skills and maybe we're losing some of that by going, no, just go work hard. And so I, I'm, I'm on the same page with you with, with that. And you can't have an opportunity present itself to you and you go, could you wait while I go get a degree for that? I mean, you have to be ready and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. And that's what I tell my son. There's so many children bilingual like you, but you have to find what is that you're good at to go with that and be prepared yeah. because the world doesn't stop. Nothing stops. You have to keep going and do your best. Yeah. Okay. So you made a conscious effort to create a bilingual environment for him. Yes. So how did you do that? Well, it was amazing because <clears throat> my mom and dad, I start, as soon as I moved here to the States, um, I start bringing them to visit um, for a period of six months. So when I got pregnant, that was, they come, they start coming more often. And uh, when Nicholas was born, they came for six months every year at the time. And so he has a lot of uh, my dad's character, uh, like the dress coat and your hair and how you talk with people and manners on the table. And he has a lot of my mom discipline um, on how to treat people and how to study and wake up in the morning and what is that you're doing for the day. So he has a lot from both of them. And he's so blessed to speak perfect Spanish with a Colombian accent. Uh, which people ask him, when did you arrive here to the States? And he's like, I was born here. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good then. That's... So, and my husband was always like first Spanish in the house. And so it took me a while and I have been here 22 years and still I don't have the, <laughs> you know, my English is not that perfect, but it's because I decided to do the best for my son. I was like Spanish at home all the time, no matter what. While I have seen other people, um, friends of mine, they don't speak Spanish at home at all yeah, because their husband doesn't speak Spanish. He only speaks English. So let's speak English at home so your dad can communicate and they love the language. And I said, that's not going to happen because I want my son to have the roots of all my family and be with them, oh, his yeah. cousins. I mean, my family is huge in Colombia, huge. I have like 60 cousins or something like that. It's, it's amazing. And so I want when he goes there to be able to communicate with them and be part of the family. Right. So I'm very proud oh, of special. my work. <laughs> oh, I think you've done excellent because you're exactly right. And I see that happen um, a lot. Um, you know, you, you want to integrate into your community and I mean, you coming here, sometimes people are having to learn the language and so total immersion, but then you do lose something. And, and what, 
what a gift to lose. Um, yes, and I, one funny thing, Amy, is that in the summer, he was looking for a job. You know, he was turning 17, I said, I want to work, and we tried different things, and I have been teaching Search Safe in some restaurants here in the North Cross area, going more to Atlanta. And uh, one guy, that the, the manager called me and said, hey, your son, is he, does he speak English? And I was like, what? I mean, yeah, he grew up here. Well, I know he speaks Spanish very well, but I need somebody who speaks English to be able to take orders on the phone. And I was just laughing, like, he's asking me if my son is speaking English. <laughs> That's funny. So he got the job and he, they're in love with him because, you know, he's so respectful and quiet and nice and taking orders all the time and being busy on the phone and with people. And it has been great to see that all that work that you put on, he to learn the language right, he's using it right now and it's going to be more useful later, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, just that responsibility of working. Uh, and having to juggle somebody else making demands on you and your time. Um, what kind of advice would you give a parent? I mean, here you are, uh, you have kind of both sides you can see. You're in the schools, you see a lot of what happens, and then you're a parent of a teen. And so what, what kind of advice, um, either from the School of Hard Knocks or just observation that you have, have seen? about the language or about advice just life just life with a teen life what you ought to expect rules just kind of being a parent what kind of insight i think the schedules and routines are important no matter what age um and, and i was talking with the child care providers doing a training for them and how important is to have a schedule during the day and Inside of the schedule, have the routines, the step-by-step things that you have to follow to create a good environment and finish a task and finish it well. Discipline is another one. Um, teach them discipline and what is the goal? If you want something, what are you doing to get to that point? How are you supporting your child to get where he wants to, even if it's soccer, playing soccer? Are you taking them? Are you finding a good coach, a good team that he feels comfortable? Help and support in communication. Um, be there for them. It's amazing. I, I was listening uh, when I was my my son was li little and working with the university. I have all these co-workers, and they said to me, "A teenager needs more time than a baby. They need more time." And yes, they do. <laughs> they, they need you there more because the world is changing for them and they have so many questions and they need to be confident and they need to believe in themselves and what are they doing and we need to support all that and help them to figure it out. Um, so what else I will say? That, you know what is important, Amy, I think, to have that father image? I don't care what people say about, I mean, I, I really honor all those mothers, single moms that for some reason have to support their child by themselves, but really the figure of a father makes a difference in a man. Um, and so I'm 
very happy to to see some parents being so supportive and be there for their sons. That's very yeah. important, I think, Amy. That's yeah, amazing. I agree. I agree. And you know, and if and if that's not possible, then you look for the resources. You look for the places that have mentorships or that have some resources that you can tap into. Um, so have you found yourself in a mentoring role or is there a mentor that you've had along the way? I did have a mentor and if it wasn't for her, I probably weren't here right now. Yeah, she was um, always, she, was, she used to work for the university. She's retired now. She retired two or three years ago. Um, but she was the one grabbing me and taking me step by step where I need to be and telling me what I need to do to get to the next level and um, getting to know the system. So yes, that's a great question. I think people moving here needs that guidance or a mentor. Um, children also need that mentor um, to help them navigate all this crazy busy system and uh, to make them easier for them. Um, life is hard enough, <laughs> you know, with yeah. all the, the things you need to do. But if you have somebody in the back telling you in the ear what you need to do next, and from here you go here and speak with this person about this, and you know, we really need a mentor at any age, Amy. Oh, I believe that. I think our worst enemy sometimes can be our own voice. And um, you get in your head and you think, well, everybody else does it this way or everybody else thinks this. And sometimes that mentor has the wisdom to say, no, 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 no. And uh, so I definitely agree. And, and a person and, that knows you, because it's, so people think that at the university, the counselor is your mentor. I mean, they are not. They don't know you. They are a counselor there and they tell you, you need to take these classes and go here. And that's about it. That's not a mentor. A mentor is a person that knows who you are and what are you capable of and really know your goals and where you want to be next and push you to that point. And, and they, you know, this mentor to me, she knew that I was going places and being able to go where I wanted to be. And she pushed me. She was the one, come on, you can do this. And so I think a mentor is a person that really gets to know you and value who you are and see what are you capable of to do. Yeah. The word that came to my mind when you were talking was trust. So to have a mentor know you so well or someone to know you so well, you have to build an incredible trust. Do you have kind of a method of how you know how to trust people? Hmm, that's a good question. Trust, how to trust people. A method to just talk with the person, <laughs> see what is her, uh, he, his or her background, what, what this person is now uh, doing, the position, um, the power or not. And um, I think the only way to really know how somebody gets to a point is talking, right? Getting to know that person and trust that you, I mean, they have a whole network and when people around that person also say good things about that person, that will help you to decide 
if you can trust that person or not. Yeah. So. Well, it sounds like you have a thread that kind of goes through your life and that's communication. It just seems in every topic, it it's coming back as a thread. Yeah. And, um, so you are a firm believer in open communication. Yeah. I can't see a person and say, no, I don't trust him or trust. <laughs> you never know. You cannot judge people by just only seeing a person. There are people that can do it. My mom, one of those. I'm like, really, mom? <laughs> Have that radar. Yes, it's not a lie. <laughs> That's funny. Well, as busy as you are, are you um, one to kick back and have some fun? Are there some fun activities that, that you find yourself drawn to? Amy, I used to do, um, growing up as a teenager in my country, I started doing um, mountain bike. Oh, wow. Yes. And so um, a few years ago, well, a few years ago, a long time ago, Nicholas was so small. He was young. He was like seven. We started doing mountain bike with my husband and my son. He was seven years old. We were even in a TV show <laughs> doing oh. mountain bike. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I failed one time. And um, I'll say it has been like 10 years. And I was so scared i mean i thought i broke something in my back and because i fell it was a creek here in Winnet. we have the best tra trails for mountain bike it's they're amazing and it was a creek and then it was a big rock so the creek was on the rock and it was really yeah slippery and my bike just flew over and i ended under my bike uh, oh, I fell in my back and I thought, I, oh man, I broke something. And of course, my husband and my son just kept going because they were going so fast. It's so much fun. You know, they're gone and you're in the middle of nowhere yeah. like, what to do? <laughs> um, so since then, I stopped doing mountain bike. And uh, I will tell you, Netflix has been my savior. <laughs> <laughs> mountain bike netflix yeah, can you believe that <laughs> now what we do um because soccer keep us so busy uh so uh, we were saturdays and sundays traveling all the time for soccer and then he stopped doing soccer just six months ago because of the whole problem so we since he was little also we were doing a lot of hiking so it was hiking biking uh soccer yeah. Um, so mostly what I do is be outside in the nature, walk in the wonderful parks here in Gwinnett County or in another park in the mountains. And uh, that's basically it. I love having friends here at home, have a glass of wine with them and talk uh, maybe on Fridays, that's the best day. Um, so that's what I do. Yeah. Like I said, no, I'm not kidding. I'm I'm watching every Colombian soap opera in Netflix. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, so Colombian soap operas are they uh, a bit different than American soap operas? Oh, they are so much fun. I have um I have a doctor, a friend. He's a doctor, a retired retiree doctor, and uh, he lives in Florida. He I told him in Spanish. He learned Spanish in six months. He's completely fluent. Oh my goodness. Yes. And he watches, he's the one telling me what novellas, what soap operas to watch next. 
Okay, so I guess you ought to give the listeners a list. <laughs> so there is one going on that um, is called um, La Venganza de Analia, The Killer's Mother. Something like The Killer's Mother is, in the, is the title. In, um, Simon Bolivar, do you know who is Simon Bolivar, right? Simon Bolivar, the guy that gave the freedom to five different countries in South yes, Africa. Yes, 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 and they, okay. They, they made a soap opera about him, about his life, and it's amazing. It is, oh, wow. It is a wonderful show. You have to see it. It is amazing. I mean, I have people from different countries um, telling me, that's the best soap opera ever. <laughs> So is is it in Spanish? Yes, and you you can put um, subtitles in English. Yeah. Oh goodness! Well, I should do this because I got stuck in a Dutch one, and I, I had no idea that it was going to be subtitles. And then I got so hooked that I had to watch it. Well, normally if I'm watching, I'm going to do laundry or you know do something else. Well, when you're watching subtitles, you can't. Right. So I sat and did like I think it was six seasons. I did like six seasons of this Dutch show and I could not believe it. I mean, it was almost embarrassing to admit it, but I know that a lot of people when they're learning a language, mm -hmm. that's how they do it. Correct. And that's what I tell people, the more you listen in the language and you pay attention and that that's what I am still doing. I listen on the pronunciation. I listen and learn vocabulary from listening. And believe it or not, being after being 22 years, and because I was speaking Spanish all the time here at home, I need to have subtitles in English. So that way I see, you know, some of the um, comments or some of the, um, how do you say, some words that I don't use too much in English. And so I learned it that way uh, because my right. husband, uh, he's, um, he's not a good communicator. <laughs> He's quiet. He's quiet. Yeah. But I mean, I guess the dialect and the little inside jokes and the little oh you know words and that, that could really, have you, have you found yourself sometime going, being at a complete loss? I just because of that? like that until I think, and, and I, all the friends that I have here that have been here for 20 more years, they always told me, just wait till you get to that point, like you will get old. And yes, I am that point. But yeah, I used to be like that. I was like, how is that a joke? <laughs> yeah, why is that funny? <laughs> <laughs> what uh, is that funny. a comment? Um, but I will tell you what, like um, with girl, young girls, like or people, like your daughter, like Becca, how old is Becca? Oh, put me on the spot. Um, 27. <laughs> Okay, so those millennials, they say things that sometimes are like, what? Yeah, yeah. So I, I try to be around them more often to listen and to kind of have a better understanding of what are they saying. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Well, and I mean, I have to listen and pay attention because sometimes what they say, um, you know, maybe some kind of new way of saying something right. or, or they're talking about something. And, uh, you know, we've had some instances here in the last you know year or so where the kids will be talking and I'll know what they're talking about because I've already heard it. And Tom will be going, what are they talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I know. <laughs> so, you know, I may have only found out 30 minutes before, but I know. So it's, um, 
it's, it's forever changing and going into the schools and everything, you kind of have to be aware of that. I mean, you can become instead of their teacher or, or directing things going on, you wind up being, you know, their joke and that's not good. Yeah. You're out of um, that. You're like, and you don't want to be out of those things. You need to be in and understand what's going on. Yeah. 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 Well, um, so how has it um, affected your, the having the pandemic, how has it affected how you've had to do both home and life and work? Well, I'll tell you the truth. Um, I was in the same process um, that Becca was for promotion. So I spent from November of 2019 to July 2nd, just writing my paper for promotion with the University of Georgia. Um, I didn't realize what was going on in the world because I don't watch news. And so I was, I was supposed to go, I was going to Colombia to visit my family in March when my mom called me and said, there is a pandemic going on, you better stay there, don't come. Don't come to visit, just stay there. And I was like, what? So. <laughs> So I start talking with my husband because he's listening to the news all the time and he's so stressed about the news every day. He listens to the radio a lot. He doesn't watch on TV. He just listens to the radio a lot. Yeah. And uh, so I said, well, I'm not going to Colombia, so it's better. Maybe I just need to keep writing my paper. So by July 4th, I finally got out of my house. So those seven yeah. months of being here, from seven o'clock in the morning to 9 p.m., seven days a week. I thought I was getting crazy. So finally I said, okay, I'm going outside. And uh, I went to Griffin, Georgia, which is from my house, is two, uh, two and a half hours away, two hours away. And that, that's when it hit me, the reality of, wow, what is happening with the restaurants? What is happening uh, with the stores? Um, and so that's when I realized this is really bad. And now what I'm doing about my programs, and I have three program assistants. And with the program assistants, we were doing everything virtual, um, virtually. We were doing trainings and communicating every week, and I have kind of fun with them. Uh, but going outside and to the world was what hit me. And then I started communicating with all these um, organizations that I used to do classes with, and uh, they started giving me a schedule, which was nice because I didn't have to go and find things to do. They called me, they emailed right. me, and hey Ness, let's do this virtual class let's present this other program and so that was great um and i went back to the office the middle of july and i started doing safe classes because the restaurants start opening again so they were uh, they wanted uh, food safety classes uh, to handle mm -hmm. foods um so i had like four people at the time <clears throat> for those classes so that was good but then I started incorporating more and more myself into the routines of going out, going to restaurants. I don't know about where you live, but here it's like nothing has happened since June. Yeah. All the restaurants are opening. Everybody's going everywhere. Um, 
So virtual is becoming the new world. And I think it's great because people don't have to travel and spend gas and be so stressed in traffic. And then you have more people coming to your programs. You have more attendance. You can get more. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have more attendance. People feel more comfy being at home and taking a class from home because they can just finish whatever they need to do at home and then sit down with you and be with you for an hour and enjoy that. And no being worried about, oh, I have to leave this place quick and go, you know, go back home and start cooking. So there's so many advantages of um, this virtual work, this virtual world that we have now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I've seen it in, in my profession. Um, I'm not sure that we'll ever 100% go back mm-hmm. to where everything is in person. I think there'll there'll be a blend, um, but and you miss some things. I mean, y'all just had your national um, meeting and and you know your regional and and all that. You don't get that same interaction, so you kind of kind of miss those people moments. And I don't know how we can replace that, but um, but at the same time, it raises some stress. I mean, if you've got work going on in your house. And school going in your house um yeah that that creates so, a new balance yes which i think is is that worth it that that's really good and to maintain those um those connections with people i think like my one of my my best assistants ever moved to florida a few weeks ago and so we meet face to face like this zoom and we yeah. find and we talk and we laugh. And so, yeah, I think this is great. This is a new way um, to keep those connections going on. Um, because we have it before, but we didn't use it this way. Right, right. We had a lot of this technology, but we didn't right. have the urgency right. that, that we had to use it or, or. And then new ways to do it. Okay, you moved to Florida. Yes, you kind of called the person. Hey, how are you? You moved there. I'm here. But now that we can use this to see each other and spend more time together, it's more fun. Yeah. Well, in my industry, it used to be we had to mail something for somebody to approve. And then, you know, you'd get it back. So you had this window of time that no, that you weren't doing anything. You were waiting on the other and now it's instant. I mean, you're, you zip a file over and they look at it. Um, Amazing. It is. It's, it's very different. That's cool. I think save us a lot of time and gasoline. (laughs) That it does. It does. Um, What kind of challenges have you faced that you would not change because they made you who who you are? My accent, my personality, um, and I have, like I said, I, I have <laughs> I have been evolving and evolutionating. <laughs> um, but I think I'm still, and like when I think in who I am and who just be, I just want to keep being the same person that is honest and say people how I feel and, and what I think about anything without being mean, because I'm no mean. I think 
that is in S. I keep I go to people and say, hey, I don't think you should be doing this, or I don't agree with this, but I'm honest. I don't be I don't stay quiet. Because it's in my stomach and it gives me a pain. So I can't. At any level, with my boss and co-workers and and I appreciate if they do that to me. And with my accent, um, I don't I don't want that to go away because and it's not going probably <laughs> since I keep speaking Spanish at home and you know all the time with my friends. Um, because made me who I am. Um, that's what I am. Last night. I was the only Hispanic person in, in the in the meeting with the county um, <laughs> and the the boss of the county, because we have like five bosses, you know that, Amy, we have bosses at county level, at the university level, <laughs> at district yeah, level. You always have to behave. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the guy and the boss from the county said, okay, Ness, you only have 15 minutes for your presentation. And I say, hey. Don't rush me because once you do that, my tongue is turned twister and I cannot even talk. So let me take my time. And he said, I know who you are. I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. You'll go off into that Spanish. Do you ever get confused and use the wrong words in the, I, and you just I, can't make it? Yeah. If I am, um, when I am stressed, I want to tell you what happened to me. When I am stressed, my mouth, and it's normal for everybody, I think, it gets dry, and I cannot even think correctly on what I'm going to say next. It's getting better, like I told you. At this, you know, I'm 53, and I, it's getting better. I feel more comfortable with myself, and I feel more confident, but it took forever. Um, but I... But I, I lost the, the line that I was going to say that, um, I, what were you saying? I don't know, because my mind went somewhere too. Um, because you, I mean, you just said something and I, I listened to um, a podcast actually this morning and, and it was Brene Brown. And she was talking about to someone who was talking about being comfortable in your skin and not apologizing mm -hmm. for who you are in your skin. And, and I and, think it, it, that's what people recognize you as a person, I think. When people yeah. say, hey, Ines is like this and this and this, and that's who she is. Yes, I, I, I have improved in many ways. I think I have changed things that I, you know, but it's professionally. And as a person, I'm glad I have also changed as a mother, as a, you know, wife also. But the fact that I'm very honest with people and my accent made me who I am. And I like that. I enjoy actually <laughs> yeah. who I am at this point. And my son is funny because he, he's so sweet. He says, this is who you are, who you are, mom. Don't worry about it. Just... And he's 17. Yeah. Well, hey, then that's how he will introduce you to a future girl of this is who you are. This is mom. Just let mom and my kids do that. I mean, the, we kind of have a revolving door around and, and the kids come in and they bring their kid, their, their friends in. And we kind of have a rule. I'll, I'll show you around the first time and you're a guest. And then after that, make yourself at home. And it's really interesting because I found out that a lot of families are not like that. And the kids that come, embrace it but they just write it off as well that's that's miss amy 
that's right. just no, and that's they recognize you as as that you know the cool yeah. mom that let me feel like i'm at home even though i'm in her house right and that's that's so i'm I've always loved it because, and to be honest, when the kids grew up and left, I missed that part. I missed all the basketball teams and the football teams and the, you know, just the kids coming and going. So I would tell anybody, you know, those with young ones, teenagers enjoy that. Now mine come back around. We decided to buy a lake house and that meant that we would have something that would make it more attractive than just us. And, um, but you know, I still enjoy them coming back through when they can, but life demands. And so that changes quite a bit. Right. But, um, but yeah, enjoy well, every moment with them as much as you can and give them as much love as you, as you can, because it's never enough love. I think it's, you know, all the love. Oh, I agree. Mm -hmm. So when you came here and you got married and you were talking about earlier, some of the culture shocks you had. Did you have any in marriage that you were like, oh my gosh? <laughs> yes. Yes, but I was not with him. Uh, um, Brand, his name is Brand. He's an amazing man um, who accommodates to everything, understanding that I didn't have anybody else but him. He became everything, my mom, my dad, my sister. Uh, my husband, everything, poor thing. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot on him. Uh, but one thing uh, I remember very clear when we start, when I came, because he, he sent me the flight tickets and he said, you're coming here and we're going to get married. And so we start living together. And I remember like two weeks after we start living together, one Sunday, I woke up and I said, let's go have breakfast with your mom. And then he said, Oh, but I need to call her first. And I said, what, why? <laughs> why do you need to call your mom? You just go and show up and, you know, she will be happy to see us. And he looked at me so, like, I was from another planet. It's like, no, no, you call first and say if that's okay to go there. <laughs> that was a shock for me because in, in, in most of the Latin countries, you don't announce you're going to visit. You just go and show up and people are super welcome. <laughs> and and yeah. they love that you're there without announcing, like, what a surprise, you're here and let's do something, you know. So that, yeah. that was, wow, like a big difference. Um, another one, so respectful about um, drinking in front of his parents. He never had a, um, a glass of wine or a beer in front of them. Well, we, I mean, I grew up, um, actually, since I was like 13, 14, we always have wine or something in the, on the table and everybody, you know, start sharing just a little bit, try this, try that. And that was shocking to me, like, well, you're not drinking a lot in front of your parents? Wow. Um, yeah, those are the family things. Um, so does he now? Now he's getting better. <laughs> that is a cultural thing right there. And, and I'm, and it varies too from family to family, but yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. That was, that was hard. And um, also the way that he was raised, he, um, he loved that I am always on Nicholas telling him, you know, come on, wake up, do this, do that, you know, um, he's like, he's okay. Let he know he knows what he needs to do. I'm like, 
no, 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 no. So I like to be on top. I'm telling him all the time. Uh, even though he says, mom, I know what I have to do. I, I just have to say it. That's just yeah. me. It's my job. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's different too. He says, I wish my mom pushed me more and guiding me more than, than she did. Um, that was another marriage thing. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, I'm glad to see that y'all survived that. And <laughs> you, uh, you have uh, probably won more of those little cultural changes in your own family. So is there anything, Ines, that we, we have talked all kinds of different <laughs> topics and, and just life and work and balancing all of that. Is there anything that we haven't touched on or that you want to make sure that you touch on or reiterate in our um, talk today? Maybe um, one thing that is um, lately giving me more and more uh, time to think is immigration and immigration at every level in any country um, people moving from place to place because of political problems or religions problems or uh, you know the need of finding a job and have a better way to to live I would like for people to understand more that for us moving to a different country is no matter what the reason is it's hard it's hard because of the language because of the culture because the way that you move around or you dress or um the religion and all that it, it, i wish people kind of understand more and see us in a you know and understand what is the situation, why Ines is the way that she is, or why so-and-so is the way that he is. You know, it's because of the background. Um, it's hard to process. I'm not telling, I mean, there are some people that are more open-minded than others, but um, it is hard. <laughs> I mean, my mom, um, being in Colombia, a lot of people from Venezuela, which I, work with them a lot and people from Venezuela have kind of the same um, culture than us the level of education is like that's that's what you have to have education and so they move here left everything behind homes families work um, you know everything and see them coming here trying to have a life and having two or three jobs to get to the point that then they have a stuff there in the country. Um, it is, um, we need to be supportive and understanding that situation. Um, I was going to say about my mom, um, she called me one day and complained so much about the whole health um, system situation in Colombia because all these people from Venezuela were moving into our country. And I say, mom, they don't have anything. They don't have a job. They, they don't have a house. They don't have anything, but they need the health system. They need to go to the doctor. They need to, they need to be helped. You know, they are not there in Colombia because they want to, because they have to, otherwise they were going to die. Um, 
And so my mom was surprised to hear me talking like that. She was like, man, I never thought about that in mass. See, they see them like they're coming to take some jobs and to take a health system and, and all that kind of stuff. But my mom never thought that the situation that they were at was, go, was going to kill them. It was bad. I hear about this mom waiting two, G, two weeks in a gas station with a little one in the car to put gas in her car. Two weeks in a gas station. Mm. Living in the car. Um, so there's- It's not a choice. Yes. So, um, and, and when you see all these immigrants here from everywhere, from, I don't know, I have a friend from Romania and I keep asking, why are you here? And she has to leave because of religion beliefs and, you know, her whole family is here and um, they become kind of defensive because, yeah, because they, they, they are like, what do you think I'm here? <laughs> Not because I yeah. want to. Yeah. So what can we do about that? I mean, I hear that and I know that I can expand my world by getting to know people and hear their stories, but what, what can we do? I think educate them ourselves. Educate of educate ourselves. Our, what is the situation? What is happening in Venezuela? Um, and again, listening to the news, but the good news, um, good source of news. We cannot go to all these ex, ex, uh, radio stations or TV stations that you don't know who has the truth. You don't know who is saying the truth, right? Um, right. I think finding the good source of the news and knowing what is happening in each of those countries to understand better a person, to understand better a situation, to understand better what is that is happening and why it's happening. Somebody put in their Facebook a message the other day, if democracy is so bad and socialism or communism is so good, why people are coming to America? Um, and it's true. They are desperate. They don't have food. They don't have homes. They don't have anything. They're yeah. killing the people and that's not right. Yeah, I, I think sometimes we I know probably I, I shouldn't generalize to we. Um, I don't think deep enough for yeah. what people have happening. Um, back some time ago, there was a commercial, can't even remember who it was for, but you had all the people lining up and this little um, thought would pop up above their head and it would say what was going on in their lives. And you just had all these things happening to people but yet they were placed in an order like at a fast food restaurant or something and and it's like they might be saying one thing in simple but all these other um all the other baggage was with them and um and it was to try to understand where each individual is coming from right and when they come here and try to make a life and create something that they think, okay, this is at work level, personal level. I have friends that come from Colombia or Venezuela and they start, they are, one just to be a principal of a school. And she came here with nothing, nothing. One just to be a lawyer 
and because in the 80s in Colombia, 90s, um, the narco, the narco traffic problem um, threatened her to kill her. So she moved here to stay without nothing. And now she's cleaning in a school. She's a lawyer. Yeah. And they start having a living by creating a, some kind of food or something. And I help them in the process to create that, how to do it right, and connect them with organizations, farmers market, that help them to sell their products and make more connections about, you know, for, for, I mean, it's amazing what they have to do and go through to change their life and to have a living. Here. Yeah. Well, that's great. So that goes back to what you were talking about and helping the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so there are resources. It's just making sure that, that we get the word out of what the resources are. Right. And in the good news, like if they have young children, it's amazing how they create those Instagram um, about their products and uh, they start sending those Instagram messages everywhere. And I feel like I'm helping a little bit when I see that they have their own ways to um, send a message on Facebook about their products or Instagrams and all that. Um, yeah, so, definitely. Uh, well, if you ever know of anybody I can help, send them my way. Yes. Um, yeah, so because we visited you know this lady that. on Saturday and she started doing vinaigrettes. She called it vinaigrettes. But it's actually like um, like a pico that you call it oh. vinaigrette. To me, a vinaigrette is the, is a is a dressing. It's like oil, yeah. oil and, and and vinegar together, you know, with right flavor. making a dressing. Mm -hmm. For her, she called it vinaigrette, but it was actually like a pico, and she did a plan and zucchini, and it was just amazing. And she has been selling those products. She used to be a principal in a school in uh, Venezuela. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And now she's doing jellies and pickles and hummus. And uh, she's just, you know, you can see that she's sad, that she's not happy completely because a change of life like that is just not. I can't imagine the process of going from one situation to another one, having one level of life to another one, moving to one country to another one, yeah. not even speaking the language. You can see through her face that she is not happy, but at least she's doing something. And when you say this is delicious, you see a smile in her face like, yeah, I learned this with this chef when I was in Venezuela. So helping just like that, helping people just like that to connect with farmers market and this is such a great product go sell it here and you know online now the farmers market are online amy oh yeah so that's been a something that probably didn't happen last year no, this time it didn't happen and now we have more vendors than ever um and more people buying is amazing um and, and when you go online and see all these products you are like wow this is better than going to the farmer's market oh yeah that's great so um more connections all this that is happening is making more connections and more people to know about different things that we didn't have the chance before yeah yeah goes back to the same thread i said you had earlier communication <laughs> yeah. so it, it goes all the way well this has been outstanding um i have one more question for you yes um, if you had a superpower, 
You had 24 hours. You could use it personally or professionally. What would that superpower be? How would you use it and why? I want to cry, but um, my dad was, um, my dad turned 83 and my mom 80. If I had a superpower, I would love to fly, be able to fly to my country and hug them and spend time with them. An amazing, amazing parents that raised me to be a strong woman um, and be able to be who I am. Uh, that's great. Well, you are quite a special lady and I'm glad that I have gotten to know you and that the listeners have gotten to know you today. And if someone needed to get in touch with Inez, how would they do that? Well, they can email me. Um, anything I can help uh, with, translations even. I can, I'm a certified translation translator, remember, from the Georgia State University. <laughs> Thanks to my father right. who pushed me to, <laughs> pushed to have another degree <laughs> on something. <laughs> Um, so they can always email me at I-N-E-S-B as in boy at U-G-A dot E-D-U. Any information about um, entrepreneurs, uh, what is the process of uh, the paperwork they need from the health department, environmental health department. Um, anything I can help with, um, I will be more than happy. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for um, making me talk about myself. That's something that I don't do often. It's good reflective, isn't it? It is. It is great. It's a good feeling. Um, thank you for um, giving me that power for a second. That was great. Thanks. to the beat of my own drum. Got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams Going boom, boom, boom to my own song Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, you'll cry a little, you'll find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it from family to philosophy to work to meal prep to beautifully surviving life. And hey, if I could ask a big favor of you, go to iTunes and give us a five rating. The more people who rate us, the more we get this podcast out there. Thanks. I appreciate it. Do my own drum. Whatever you do, it ain't nothing on me.